to the one and only podcast you need in your life for keeping up with the latest and greatest at Elmwood Park. This is Parkside Chat, where you get the 411 on District 401. I'm your new host, Aaron Selmer, and I have a very special guest with me to kick off season three of this podcast. My guest is none other than our new superintendent of schools, Dr. Leah Gochi. Dr. Gochi, this isn't your first time on this podcast, but it is your first time in your new position, which... If I did my math correctly, I believe this is the end of just your first week as Elmwood Park's new superintendent. Does it feel like it's just been a week? Um, no, no, Aaron, it does not. It, it definitely feels like we've been a part of this for a lot longer than just this first week. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a bunch to talk about today. Um, at first, I thought maybe this should even be two episodes, but I think we can fit it all in. So um, two things we wanted to talk about today is Obviously, what's on everyone's mind is remote learning in COVID-19. And then a little bit more about you so that our listeners can learn a little bit more about their new superintendent. So first thing I want to talk about is, of course, the reopening plan for the fall. The plan was officially released yesterday, and I was hoping you could just guide us through the ins and outs of what it'll look like. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, we started meeting as a as a district-wide team. We had over 90 members that starting in May, we would meet on a weekly basis. And the whole point was to just kind of process through all the guidance that the Illinois State Board of Education was giving us, um, you know, taking a look at it and figuring out how, what that guidance meant for us and, and what it would, what it would mean for what our school would look like in the fall. So after we kind of went through everything and, you know, um, thought about could we have a hybrid plan, could we have an in-person plan, could we have a remote learning plan, we wanted to share all of the options with our community. So a couple of weeks ago, we uh, hosted five live town halls um, with the goal of sharing what we had been learning over the past few months with the community and then to get community input on the different plans and what that, what that all entailed. Then based on all of that, we really focused on two priorities. Our first priority was the health and safety of our students, our staff, and our entire community. And then the second priority is consistency in academic achievement. And so in looking at those two things, we created um, just a, um, an overview to bring to the school board so we could discuss together and we could make a decision in partnership on what would be best for the community moving forward. So that actually took place this last Wednesday with the school board, and together we decided that Remote Learning 2.0 would be the best path forward for our, our community and our school district. Um, and I think, you know, I think it, no, no decision is a great decision in this, this era of COVID-19 and the pandemic, but we really wanted to stay true to our two priorities, which was that health and safety and consistency. and what parents saw in the spring versus what they can expect in the fall? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and we, we wanted to have a different name, and you can see our creativity there with Remote Learning 2.0. So, <laughs> um, you know, in the spring, we all were kind of thrown into this situation that, that none of us even really knew what was going on in the world. We'd never, you know, experienced anything like that. And with that came guidance that was given to us from the Illinois State Board of Education. Um, one was on grading. In the spring, we were not allowed to give anything besides a pass or an incomplete grade. Um, for Remote Learning 2.0, the guidance has changed. We are now expected to provide grades at grade level expectation. For kindergarten through fifth grade, that'll be our standards-based grading, um, which we were planning, have been planning for three years and moving forward with. And then for sixth through 12th grade, that will be that traditional letter grading. 
And another thing was attendance. In the spring, we weren't able to take attendance to report it out, um, but now we are required to take attendance for our students. So just like they, when they are in, in high school or middle school or elementary school, we take attendance either period by period or at the beginning of the day, so that will, that will be in place. And then a schedule. Um, in the spring, our schedule, we, you know, we posted assignments um, three days a week, and we had teacher office hours. But the schedule for Remote Learning 2.0, we are required to have five hours of instruction for our students, and two and a half of those hours has to be live learning or synchronous instruction, which is you know, um, students learning from their teachers um, using Google Meets or Zoom or, or something of that nature, that live learning. And so that's going to be much different. So students will actually um, be a part of their typical schedule like they would if they were in person, where they will have the different periods of the day where they can be learning with their teacher. We're currently working on all of those, those details. Um, you know, our goal is to ensure that the, we have the high, high level of academics, um, you know, expectations for our students, but also that our lessons are engaging. And our goal is not to have the students just, you know, on the computer for five hours, of course, so it's making sure that they're, all of the teachers are, are there for the students. And actually, our teacher schedule is going to be their, their same time that they normally have, which is at 745 to 315. So our teachers will be you know, teaching our students and available for our students in that time to support them with those grade level expectations. Perfect. So when we talk about the daily schedule that the students are going to have, could you give a, maybe an example of what you imagine a period would look like for our high school students? Sure. So if you, you know, normally were enrolled in a, you know, a, an AP government class or a, a band class or whatever it might be, um, you know, we, we currently have it as a possibility of a 40-minute time slot where students would check in with their teacher so the teacher can take attendance. And then depending if that teacher was doing the live learning, the students would be, you know, a part of that lesson and there'd be breakout rooms. Um, there'd also be, you know, time for collaboration within within the, the Google Meets application that we have. Um, and then there's also that opportunity for students to be applying what they're learning um, away from the computer. So whether that's, you know, um, the activity that the teacher has prepared for them or something that the student needs to work on, and then they would submit that back to their teacher for the next day of learning. Perfect. And what about our younger students at the elementary? What would that look like in a classroom that maybe just has one or a limited amount of teachers that they go through throughout the day? Sure. So we're taking a look at, you know, what, what an elementary student's typical day looks like and how we can um, provide that in a remote learning 2.0 situation. So one of the things um, we know that, you know, elementary schedules typically have are all of the different specials. So that might be, you know, music or art or PE, technology, those kinds of things, and ensuring that those take place throughout the week, just like they, they would in a normal, a, a normal um, pre-pandemic setting, um, which was different than the spring. In the spring, you know, everything would just get posted on one day, and that was kind of a lot. So we're, we're taking a look at, you know, if you have music on Mondays or, um, you know, gym on Tuesdays, those kind of things. And then um, providing the materials necessary to be successful in those classes. So if the PE teacher is asking you to do some sort of a movement activity that you're able to either, you know, record your, your um, tasks that you're doing and submit it back to your teacher, um, so we're looking at all those different creative ways and currently working on that schedule. As far as like a math class, something like that, um, you know, typically in a regular school setting, we would have 60 minutes of math. 
So we're looking at if we had you know, some of that live learning where students are, are able to learn from their teacher on the new math concept, and then they take what they've learned and they apply it. But if they're stuck on something, they know they can always hop back on the computer and their teacher will be there to help them. So um, you know, some, teacher, or some students might be ready to work on their own, just like in a classroom setting. Some, some students work on their own independently after learning it and some students need more help. And so we're working to provide that using the different apps that we have um, through the computer. And you know, I think one of the big things is um, the support for families on that and for the students so they, they know how to access everything that we're using in the day-to-day for remote learning 2.0. Thank you. So at the end there, you mentioned the idea of resources for parents and families. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So something that we heard loud and clear was this notion of consistent communication from the schools, from the teachers, you know, early and often. And so we want to we want to make sure that everybody is aware of, you know, the different platforms that we're using and how to access everything. And and if they are not aware, we want to provide that training for whoever may need it uh, multiple times so they can be very successful in the remote learning 2.0. Um, We also talk about resources. Uh, Last year in the spring, we had devices for our third through 12th graders. Uh, Starting, you know, um, this fall, we'll have devices for our kindergarten through 12th graders. Mm -hmm. We're also working on a digital equity grant to ensure that if somebody needs um, a hotspot or that Wi-Fi access, we're able to um, provide that for them because we want to make sure that everybody is able to access the remote learning 2.0 opportunities that we're providing. And the same goes for the teachers. If a teacher is unable to teach a lesson from home or needs resources that are in the school or Wi-Fi, um, the teacher will be able to come in to ensure that they can teach those lessons. Um, Because we want to make sure that everybody is as successful as possible. Uh, Something else with that communication is we want to send surveys out to our families. So if something is not working, we know that early. And so then we can, you know, adapt and make that change and ensure that we're okay with that. Something else we've all seen is the guidance is constantly changing. And so as a district, we want to make sure that we are always reading that, making sure we're we're following that, and then communicating it out if something has changed. All right. Thank you. So where would be the the best place that parents and families should go to find those resources or information about remote learning 2.0? Sure. So we've updated our district website and all the school websites um, that are connected within it. And we actually have a fall learning plan page So families can go right there, and we're going to have everything in there. We're going to constantly update that. But we are also sending everything out that's on our website is also sent out um, using PowerSchool, Swift Swift Reach. And so any family member that has their PowerSchool account, um, which is what they use to access, you know, students' grades and things like that, they will also get the update. We've been sending it out um, via email and text message. Um, based upon the community feedback that that's, you know, the best way for them to to get information from the school and to constantly be providing that for them. Okay, great. Thank you. So this leads me to another question I have. Um, Obviously, the remote 2.0 plan came out yesterday officially, and something that was in it was the length of time that it's going to be happening, and that's through winter break. So I was wondering if you could just talk about how you came to that date uh, with the board and and talk a little bit about it. Sure. Um, you know, after we had, a, we had a lot of board discussion about this with the board and district office, and, you know, we want to be realistic with our families. We wanted to give them time to plan and prepare. And, you know, after much discussion, we realized that quarter one, um, which is right around the end of October, 
just wouldn't be enough time um, with where the numbers are at. So we, we felt that pushing it to winter break um, allowed families to, you know, prepare what they need for their families um, during that remote learning 2.0 time. So if they have to set something up instead of, you know, giving them nine weeks and then saying, okay, now we're going some a few more weeks and now a few more weeks. We just wanted to, you know, provides um, that length of time where they could go ahead and, and make that plan for their family. All right. Thank you. Is there anything else that you want to talk about with remote learning 2.0 or the reopening? Sure. You know, and, and I, can, I think the biggest thing is that this is hard for all of us. You know, we really, we all really want to be back in the classroom and we want, we want our quote unquote normal uh, school day to return. And the truth is that's just not on our horizon right now. And so you know, with Remote Learning 2.0, we want to make it the best that it can be and provide the best learning experience and um, environment for our, for our students, for our staff, for our families. And so that's what we're going to try to do. And, and we're going to work really hard at it. And I know, I know it's not going to be the typical day that everybody thinks of um, when they think of school, but we're not in that typical environment right now. So, um, you know, we have, we have a very, um, we have a very strong staff that wants, that wants to do the good work um, to ensure that our students get what they need to be successful, um, to keep with the, the guidelines that are being given to us of grade level expectations. And, you know, we want to we wanna create this opportunity for everyone. And if there's something that we can do to help support the families, we want to we be there to do that. Um, we're also going to see a lot of community outreach. You know, we're very, we're very much, um, you know, we have a lot of pride in our school district, in our community, and we want to make sure that even if we are remote, even though we are remote, we, we still have that. And so, you know, you're going to see a lot of that from us as well, um, just on how we can continue to keep our, keep our um, you know, our close-knit school culture, district culture, community culture present during a, this time of uncertainty. Great. Thank you. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if a parent still has a question about remote learning, one of the best resources would probably be to go to our website. Um, you'll be able to find up top, uh, a tab that says fall learning resources, and it'll be constantly updated as we have new information and new FAQs. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So I want to transition a little bit now, and I want to talk about you as our new superintendent of schools for Elmwood Park 401. Uh, well, first off, congratulations. And second, I know that I'm not alone. I know our families and our staff would love to find out a little bit more about you and, and what makes our new superintendent tick. Uh, so uh, just starting us off, do you want to bring us through your career as an educator that led you here? Sure, absolutely. So this is, I'm actually embarking on my 20th year in education. Congrats. Um, thank you. Yes, I'm very <laughs> excited to be here and, you know, to, you know, take on this this new adventure. And it's with a great, a great team here in Elmwood Park and the community. And um, I'm happy to, to stay a part of this community as I have been. This is my fourth year in Elmwood Park. Um, you know, I started my career in um, Green Bay, Wisconsin as a second grade teacher. So, so does that mean you're a Packers fan? Um, uh, yes, yes. <laughs> or uh, no comments. <laughs> uh, I, have a, I have a few other people that would support me in that. Uh, oh, okay. But I, you know, try not to say it too loudly. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, I was, in, I was in Green Bay for two years and then moved to the Chicagoland area. And I thought I'd be here a couple years and... Um, you know, all these years later, I'm still here. I love, I love the area. I love the, 
I love the having the city of Chicago so close and then having all the suburbs of, you know, the great school school districts that we have. It brings a lot of opportunity. Um, I spent 14 years in Bensonville School District 2. I was a, a second grade teacher, third grade teacher. I was a math specialist. Um, I was a learning coordinator, and then I was an instructional um, director. And I left Bensonville in 2017 to come to Elmwood Park as the director for curriculum and instruction. And I was the director for cur curriculum instruction for three years. And then starting July 1st, I became the assistant superintendent for curriculum and instruction. And then starting uh, earlier this week, the superintendent. So um, I think for me, I've always been a lifelong learner and I'm, I'm always committed to do what's best for students. I've always wanted to be in education, a part of education, um, you know, helping to support teachers, helping to support students, administrators. And so, um, you know, kind of that love for learning, you know, made me, you know, move forward to get my master's degrees and my doctorate in education. And, um, you know, I just kind of see that as an opportunity that, that I have in my life to be able to continue my educational career and always with the students at the, the center of my focus of what I can do to provide opportunity for them. Mm, that's what's important. That's for sure. Um, so you are clearly taking the helm of the district in a very unique time with COVID. What, what are you most looking forward to during this time? And, and how do you think it's going to affect the district even going forward after we're, we're done with the pandemic? Yeah, I think, you know, early on, even, even with the, the start of the pandemic, you know, I, it almost, you, you ca I kept thinking of these problems that were happening, problems of, you know, everyone having canceled plans or canceled events that we couldn't do. And so pretty early on, I kind of had to change my mindset of instead of these being problems, let's look at them as possibilities. So when we started planning what the fall could look like, um, you know, one of the first pieces of guidance that we got was kids can't share materials. So we're like, okay, what is, what, okay, how are we going to do that? You know, we can't buy individual sets of everything. So we started looking at possibilities. And then that kind of transformed into opportunities. So what opportunities can we provide in this new light of education? Um, I think in education, we talk a lot that, you know, we, we need to continue to ensure that we're up with the times and that we're, you know, creating 21st century thinkers and, you know, the digital age students and, and things like that. And now, now we don't have a choice. And luckily in Elmwood Park, this is something we've been working on since the technology initiative, the one-to-one. -one. Um, you know, we have had eTechs. This is our third year with eTechs. And so I, I say sometimes that I think we were secretly planning for something like this because we were, we were pretty prepared. So, um, you know, I, I guess I look at it as all the opportunities. And I, I do think it will change the way we do some things um, because we realize that we can do them. Where in the past, you would think about it and be like, oh, we could never do that. And now we realize, wait a minute, we already did that. So why, you know, did it work? Was it successful? If it was, let's keep that um, instead of going back to, you know, what was. Yeah, that's that's really interesting to look at it as, as a whole bunch of opportunities um, instead of challenges because it really opens up the door to what the district can do even going forward once we can finally take our masks off. Um, and and it's it's going to be an interesting future, that's for sure. I wanted to ask, does, does education run in your family? Do you come from a family of educators or are you a lone wolf? I, I am a lone wolf. Um, well, I do my, I have a, an uncle that was a teacher and I have an aunt that's a teacher, but my parents, um, 
actually ran a candy store. My family has a candy store. And so more of that, uh, the business end, um, I have a sister that's a doctor and a sister that is in supply chain management. And so um, I've always wanted to be the educator. So uh, something I've wanted since I was probably around seven or eight years old. Um, you know, I had a teacher that really influenced me and I never forgot that. So it's something I always wanted to do. So yeah, in my, in my family, I am the only educator. Um, and so when, whenever I'm around everyone, you know, I, I always make sure that um, I'm in the know of what's going on in each of the school districts that they are a part of so I can, um, you know, help support or help give advice and um, to kind of move them forward. And that's awesome. And I, 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 I don't come across people who come from uh, candy store roots, I guess to say, <laughs> that, that often. <laughs> do, do your parents still have the candy store? Is it still in the family? It's still in the family, yep. It, it opened in 1906. So my, my parents retired uh, a couple years ago, but my aunt and uncle still run the family. So if you're ever in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, that's where you can find the candy store, and they have a candy factory. Um, so and it's definitely something when I, whenever I go up there, I always bring uh, lots of goodies back. Well, that's awesome. Makes it basically like a resident Willy Wonka of the district. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so when you think about this district and community, you know, what makes you smile, especially, you know, with your roots of, of coming from up north, I'll say, um, you know, so when, when you're down here, when you're thinking about the area, what, what makes you smile about the area? I think that's why I, I love Elmwood Park so much is it, it does remind me of home. It's like a, it's a small town feel. Um, you know, generations of families continue to attend our schools. Um, we have teachers that attended our schools. We have administrators that are attended our schools. Just that community pride. Um, I feel that in my own community when I go home, you know, if when I see somebody out, you know, that a lot of people, um, you know, remain in the community because they love the community. And I feel that in, in Elmwood Park. So I would say the biggest thing is that community pride that everybody has here. Mm, definitely. So... Educationally, I know we've we've talked a lot about this already, but you know, I think when you ask any educator something that they're really passionate about, you'll get you know various different answers because there's just so much that's involved with education. So you know, what what's something that you're really passionate about, or or something that really you know makes you get up in the morning related to something educationally that you're passionate about? Sure, I think about um, you know this this notion of opportunity for all kids that that equity um, you know that's something that I'm passionate about and ensuring that um, all kids have that that are those high expectations set for them and that they can achieve those expectations and beyond and that we provide the environment for that um, that's something that I have always had at kind of the forefront of my mind. Because I think that people have high expectations for my for me, and I have high expectations for myself, and I continue to push myself beyond comfort zone, beyond my limits, and then you realize what you can achieve. And I want that. I want other. You know, I want the kids to feel that. I want the teachers to feel that. Um, you know, everybody should should be able to have that opportunity and um, those high expectations set for them that they can that they can achieve whatever that goal might be. They can achieve it, and we can help them do that. Yeah, that's awesome. And to be able to look back and, and see what you've done with, you know, a sense of pride of, and, a, and accomplishments. Um, yeah, that's something that all students should have the opportunity to, to experience. 
Okay. Well, what about um, in your off time from an educator? Do you have any hobbies or interests that you pursue? I guess I would have said traveling before, but I probably <laughs> won't say that now. Um, <laughs> um, I'm a runner. I enjoy running. I enjoy an early morning run um, where it's nice and quiet. Uh, that's something that really helps me. And um, last November, I bought a Peloton, so I'm very much into the cycling as well. Um, so that helps me. Um, especially in these times when we can't do, uh, we're unable to do some of the things we used to do. Um, and also I enjoy just going for walks and kind of kind of the simpler things in life. Um, I think the pandemic has kind of caused me to bring things back into the forefront. I love being outside, mm. um, you know, and, and either if it's going for a walk or just going to grab takeout for dinner and sitting outside and eating, I think just some of those simple things. Um, kind of bring a lot of balance in these uncertain times. Definitely. So, so you mentioned traveling. Um, so are you more of a relaxed beachside vacation traveler or a boot wearing hiking adventure vacation? Oh, definitely beachside vacation. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) What's, what's some of your favorite places or your favorite place to go? Uh, maybe about five years ago, I, I got to go to Maui with my family and that, that was a, that was a vacation I will never forget in my life, and that mm. was amazing. Did you make it to any luau's while you were there? We, of course, yeah, luau's. A lot of lot of whale watching and a lot of sunsets. It was awesome. Yeah, that sounds good right about now. <laughs> Being locked <laughs> up in quarantine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, do you have anything else you feel inspired to share or let our listeners know? I think the biggest thing is is that you know we're all in this together. So you know. We as a school community, we are here for you. And, um, you know, if you ever need anything, please reach out um, because this is this is something that the only way that, that we can move forward successfully is together. And so I just want everybody to remember that, that we don't make these decisions lightly. And, um, you know, this is something that is, is ever-changing and we're always going to be aware of what's going around, around us and we're going to listen. Um, we're going to learn together and then move forward together. Okay, I think that just about covers everything we have today. Dr. Gochi, thank you so much for your time. I cannot think of a better way to kick off Season 3 of the Parkside Chat Podcast. For those of you who tuned in, thank you for spending time with us today. We have ambitious plans this year and are hoping to be releasing weekly, he said, breaking into a sweat. But like all things with COVID-19, we'll have to stay flexible. Stay healthy, be good citizens, and make good choices. I'm your host, Aaron Selmer, and this has been Parkside Chat. Until next time.